Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Hey there, welcome to another episode of The Root of All Success. I'm the real Jason Duncan. We have a special episode for you this week. For those of you that are frequent listeners to the show, you know that occasionally we release an episode on the show of a recording from a live webinar series that I do twice a month called the Entrepreneur Masters Series. Well, right now, today, we're releasing one of these extra episodes of the recording of the Entrepreneur Masters Series. What the Entrepreneur Master Series is, is a free bi-weekly 90-minute live webinar series that I've designed and curated exclusively for entrepreneurs to give a mini masterclass so that you can learn from some of the world's top experts as they share practical tips and knowledge in their areas of expertise and mastery. We do topics on anything related to entrepreneurship like taxes, credit, sales, branding, legal issues, social media, business structures, et cetera. And this episode today was one that we thought was so good that we wanted to release the audio version here on the podcast. Now, if you want to go watch the episode and see me and the guests talk about this, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash the real Jason Duncan, and just search for the playlist entrepreneur masters series. So enjoy the episode. It's a little different than normal, but enjoy the episode and I'll see you next time. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Masters Series. I'm glad you're joining me today. I am the real Jason Duncan. You can call me JD. We've got a fantastic episode for you today. We're going to be talking about listening and what the cost of not listening to your customers is. And it's it's more than you think. And there's certainly a lot of ways that we need to investigate this. And that's why we're doing this. So let me tell you a little bit about the EMS. Uh, thank you. If this is your first time joining us on one of these live webinars, I want you to know that this is a bi-weekly series of webinars that I do live here on all the platforms. So we do it on Zoom. It's, it's live on LinkedIn. It's live on YouTube. It's live on Facebook and it's live on Twitter. So we go live on all those locations, all those platforms. And I do this and I curate this content, invite guests in like we've got Oscar Tromboli on today. We invite these guests in who are experts in particular fields that are of interest to us as entrepreneurs, as business leaders. What can we learn from these men and women that we bring on the show that will make us more money, that make us the, have the ability to have more impact in our communities and ultimately give us the life and the lifestyle that we want to live. So what I do is I bring in these guys, these ladies that talk about entrepreneurship, leadership, sales, financial literacy, anything related specifically to growing and building entrepreneurial companies. And each episode has the opportunity for you to in, uh, get yourself involved by asking questions. So here's what you're going to do. So if you're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or LinkedIn, there's a chat function inside those platforms, and you can just chat right there in the live. So right below the video, you can chat and ask a question. 
Our producer is Darren uh, Garen with Desk Rig. He's on the back end making all this stuff look pretty. And if you do any kind of shows like this, go check out deskrig.com. They do a great job. But Darren, uh, Garen in the background is watching all this stuff and he's going to try to pick up the questions and drop them in. Now, if you're on Zoom, if you're watching this on Zoom, thank you for doing that. You can go to the Q&A bubble at the bottom of your screen, hit the Q&A bubble and ask any question that you might like to have us answer live. Peter and I both will be watching that. Garen's going to be giving us the stuff in the background so that we can see it. So we want to hear from you. This makes it much more interesting if you ask questions. So let's go ahead and talk about what today's show is going to be. Today's title of the show is The Cost of Not Listening to Your Customers. Um, you don't really have an idea. I don't think any of us have an idea how much not listening to your customer is costing you. Um, I've been in sales since I guess I started selling at age 16. So I've sold millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of stuff. And I can tell you that the cost of not listening to my customers has probably cost me a few million dollars in income over those years. But uh, rather than beating the competition to an ideal customer, trying to maneuver that other that other person trying to do what you're doing. What if you just listened better? What if you were able to get to the bottom of the matter more quickly just because you listened better? And what happens if you get the wrong customer because you weren't listening? You ever had a bad customer? You ever had a customer that wasted money? You ever had a customer that wasted time? You ever had a customer at the end of the day, you made money on it. You're like, I wish I hadn't made that money because this guy's a pain in the keister. I'm not interested in dealing with this person probably can be traced back to the fact that you didn't listen. You were saying one thing, he was saying another, you heard something that he didn't say. So today, this is a masterclass with the one of the world's leading expert in deep listening. We've got Oscar Tromboli, who is our guest today. And Oscar is the, uh, he's on a quest, a quest to create 100 million deep listeners. He's an author. He's the host of the Apple award-winning podcast, Deep Listening, which you can listen to on any podcast player, plus Apple, Apple iTunes and the podcasts. The sought-after keynote speaker hailing from Sydney, Australia. He's passionate about using the gift of listening to bring positive change, not only in businesses, but also in homes and in cultures worldwide. He's interviewed over 100 of the most diverse workplace listeners, including air traffic controllers, uh, deaf and foreign interpreters, hostage negotiators, and spies as part of researching world-class listeners. And if you've ever flown an airplane, uh, you want to make sure that the air traffic controller knows how to listen. <laughs> you want to make sure they're listening to the right instructions. Uh, a go and a no sound a lot alike. So you make one, you know, when he's saying don't, no, don't take off or go, please take off. You need to make sure he's listening. Over 14,000 people have contributed to his research of what gets in their way when it comes to listening. And Oscar's a marketing and technology industry veteran working for Microsoft, PeopleSoft, Polycom, and Vodafone. He consults with companies like American Express, Astra, AstraZeneca, Google, HSBC, Montblanc, PwC, Salesforce, Sanofi, and Siemens. So this guy knows what he's listening about. See what I did there? He knows what he's talking about, too. But Oscar loves his afternoon walks with his wife, Jenny, their dog, Kilimanjaro. Uh, and he will be playing Lego with one of his four grandchildren at, four grandchildren every weekend. So please help me welcome to the show, Oscar Trimboli. Thanks, JD. Looking forward to listening to everybody's questions today. Yeah, this is going to be really good. And if I if I could be completely honest... Um, I'm a bit nervous. 
<laughs> and I don't get nervous when I have guests on the show because you know why I'm nervous? Because I know you're listening to every single thing I say, where some people just don't listen. And I might say something dumb and they don't care, but you're going to be hearing everything I say. And so I've got to, uh, I got to get over myself, but nevertheless, I joke a little bit, but I'm really glad you're here. Uh, so tell me, tell me a little bit about how you got into the listening game. We're going to start there and we're going to work into some very tactical information on today's show. Yeah, it sure will. Uh, and for your nervous condition, uh, please be aware, <laughs> a, a, a good host will listen to the active speaker, but a great host will listen to the audience. So today our focus is on you. Everyone who's logged in, everyone who's listening, everyone who's watching. And I would encourage you to ask any question at all. JD, you can't ask me a poor question. You can ask me any question you like. That will be fine. Please don't feel nervous. I'm not a perfect listener. The reason I'm training myself in how to listen is because I'm trying to get better in every conversation. Most of us don't want to seek perfection. We just want to make progress in every conversation. To understand me, you need to go back to a boardroom, April 2008. It was a budget-setting meeting. It was a budget-setting meeting between Seattle, Singapore, and Sydney. There were 18 people on this video conference well before COVID. And these meetings are renowned for going over schedule. The meeting was scheduled for 90 minutes. And everybody's arm wrestling. The corporate office is trying to get the most growth. The local office is trying to get the most realistic growth because if you miss your number, staff lose their jobs. And sometimes corporate budgets are set by numbers in spreadsheets. When you're facing an employee face-to-face, -face, you know they might lose their job if they don't get their target. Now, JD, at the 20-minute mark of this meeting, my vice president in the room said to me, Oscar, I need to see you immediately after this meeting. Now, I completely stopped listening from that point, and all I did was try and figure out how, how many weeks of salary I've got left in the bank account, JD, because I think it was eight weeks. Now, miraculously, the meeting finished early. It finished at the 70-minute mark, and as everybody walked out, I tried to do the same thing, and Tracy said, please close the door, Oscar, and come back. And as I walked back, she said, you have no idea what you did at the 20-minute mark, and I thought, I'm getting fired and I don't know why. And I sat down, I looked her in the eye and she said, if you could code how you listen, you could change the world. And although this was really profound, a moment of really deep listening on Tracy's part, JD, the only thing going through my head was, woohoo, I haven't been fired. And I honestly didn't pay attention to anything she said from that point on. But the difference between hearing and listening is action. And I've been trying to code how to listen since 2008. So 2008, big time. So 2008 was a big time in our world. We were going through a great recession, lots of stuff going on. Um, but you were able to, in the midst of that, figure out the next step because uh, I, it would assume that at that moment, you're like this listening thing that she just complimented me on and told me about. This is going to be a big thing. Maybe maybe you weren't totally into how it turn out, but your life changed in 08, just like a lot of other people's did. So what did you do next? Did you how long did you stay working in the corporate world before you kind of decided to turn your listening superpowers into a business of its own? 
Um, I didn't. I, I in fact, got a 32% uplift in my budget line in that meeting, whereas typically we're getting 15, 16% budget uplifts. And because I wasn't listening and paying attention in that meeting, I walked out of that meeting with my tail between my legs. And you know what, Jace? I wasn't thinking anything about listening, to be deadly or honest, until two weeks later when the finance director said to me, his name's Brian, he said, Oscar, can you come and audit my listening? in the budget setting meeting for, for the states. And I said, Brian, I have not got time for this listening caper. You've been talking to Tracy. I've got a 32% uplift in the budget line. I have no idea how to get there. And then he said, Oscar, I can't change your top line revenue number. What I can change is the investments we make for growth. So if you come and audit my listening, we can have a conversation about where we invest for growth. What time's the meeting, Brian? Where is it? I'll be there. Because I, I, I was I, I was in sales. I needed to make sure that I was selling. So in that meeting, I noticed, oh, wow, Brian asked really long questions. Gee, there's 16 people in this meeting. Only three people are contributing. Gee, um, oh, wow, the kind of quality of conversation is pretty low. And I was uh, writing all this down, JD. I realized in that moment I was coding how to listen. And I realized that the way I listened in the world and the way others is a little bit different. Now, I wasn't saying I was a rock star when it came to listening. I trained with some of the world's best academics. I've, tr I've trained myself through the original research we've done with nearly 24,000 workplace listeners right now. And as my wife, Jenny, would say, I'm completely obsessed about the commercial cost of not listening. And that journey has just progressed along here. So I left the corporate world in 2014. And uh, yeah, nine years later, I'm still coding how to listen, whether that's the listening quiz, the practice cards, three books on the topic, our jigsaw puzzle game, our award-winning podcast, all these ways a way to code how to listen. So I made lots of mistakes along the way too sometimes trying to be too perfect, sometimes thinking I know more than the people I serve. And uh, as one of my leaders once said, the truth is always with the customer, Oscar. You are always wrong till you test what you think with a customer. And uh, from that, whether it was the book or the playing cards, whether it was the quiz, they all came about from customer suggestions. I didn't have an original idea. Even the podcast, somebody said to me, hey, Oscar, why don't you stop your newsletter and do a podcast? Because if it's about listening, why wouldn't you make it a podcast? And I thought, oh, my God, I've been sending out newsletters for a year and a half. That's so obvious, Oscar. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> so how obvious is it to people that listening is a skill versus just something? Like listening, obviously, if you have the if you have the sense of hearing, you're able to listen audibly. Obviously, there's listening that can be ver can be also sensory, can be uh, visually, et cetera. But if we're just talking about hearing, how obvious is it to people that in your in your experience that this there's a skill to listening versus just hearing what people say? I want to channel Luke, who did a review of our book, How to Listen, on Amazon, and he said, "Listening." Like comedy and sex, we all think we're better at it than we actually are. 
And most of us have never been taught how to listen. Now, I'm not going to ask you to rate yourself on the other two, JD. No, don't worry about that. <laughs> but, but as you think about that statement, what's profound about what Luke said in the review is most people self-assess their listening. So you, you check in and you go, how do I think I'm listening? And like sex and like comedy, let's just pick comedy and keep it PG for the time being. The value of comedy is only when an audience is present. You can't have a joke with yourself. Well, you can and it might feel good, but it's not the purpose of comedy. And it's a contact sport, like listening. You need a, one other person or a group of people to do it. The difference between comedy and listening, though, is the role of comedy is to make people laugh and reflect on what they say, and the instant feedback on how good your comedy is is the laugh, but you don't get that when it comes to listening. We don't get the quality of feedback that a comedian gets. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the benchmark is on the other topic. I'll leave that to everybody <laughs> else to figure that out. I think we should. I think we should take a poll. We should take a poll. <laughs> <laughs> So the first challenge with people thinking about listening as a skill is we've all been taught math, so we know divide, subtract, multiply, and addition, right? There's a, a very simple framework. It's universal. doesn't matter what language you're in. There it is. When it comes to chemistry, there's a universal table of elements that's called the periodic table of elements, and it's identical no matter what language you speak. Every language has got nouns and verbs and adverbs and adjectives. There's a structure. Now, maybe it was different where you went to school, JD. In my school, I didn't have a listening class yet. That's pretty much all I was doing. When I went to college, I didn't have a listening class. Uh, in your neck of the woods, did you have listening subjects? Never. Were you taught listening? Mm, no. So for most of us who run our own business, we're spending well over 70% of our day in listening mode. And there's a good little thing for you to think about. If you're spending more of your day in talking mode than listening mode as a leader of a business, you've probably got the balance a little bit off. 50-50 is okay, but when you're talking more than you're listening, you're not hearing the truth from customers I and mean, you're not hearing the truth from employees. You're not hearing the truth from suppliers. You're not hearing the truth from your affiliate partners that you may be working with as well. So when it comes to listening, it's a skill. It's a strategy and it's a practice. It's like going to the gym. You want to be doing some push-ups every day. And when it comes to listening, we just want to get that much better in the next conversation, JD. It's not about the Hail Mary pass. It's not about the magic win. It's just doing little things a little bit better in every conversation. What I'm fascinated, JD, right now, as you're listening to me, what's going through your head? What's going? Okay, so not a rhetorical question. So that's the first thing I noticed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's not a rhetorical question. What's going through my head is uh, as the host of this show, I'm trying to think about what would people want to know about listening. I'm trying to mm -hmm. analyze what you're saying as quickly as I can possibly analyze it through the filter of my own life's experience. And honestly, I'm debating whether or not to say my experience in listening versus what I think other people might be experiencing. So that's a very Let's deep answer. That, 
yeah. start with yours. Just overlay. What are you thinking based on your own listening experience? What is what we've touched on already brought to life for you? I, yeah. Well, so so thank you for giving me permission to talk about myself. I, I think that um, over the last several years, I'd say probably three to five years, um, I have been told on multiple occasions by people that I respect that I am a very good listener, and I that is not normal. That is not nor that was not a normal comment that I would have heard ten years ago for sure. Um, so, so I wonder, like, what happened in my, like, why, when did that switch? Because I don't know that I made a concerted effort to become a good <clears throat> listener. I'll give, I'll give you, I'll give you one example. There's a guy, mm-hmm. uh, and then those those of you who are in Nashville, uh, in Nashville where I live, may may know who I'm talking about. But there's a guy who owns a private club in Nashville. His name is Joshua Smith. He owns the standard in Nashville. I'm a member there and I go there frequently. And, uh, Josh is a, um, uh, very successful guy. And I, I'm, I'm involved in the leadership of the club on some different levels, but, but he has on multiple occasions said to me after we've spent an hour together talking about things like he, he'll just, he'll look at me deep in the eye and say, you're, you're one of the best listeners I know. And then he'll also say that to other people. So he, that's one story. And I'm wondering, well, where did that come from? So that's my experience. And I'd like you to stay there and just go back. You said it's four to five years. Something has changed in the way you notice you're listening. Let, let's, let's just explore it a little bit longer because I think it'd be helpful for all of us listening to notice someone as successful as you where did that come about i think that um i had a i had a friend in in high school my best friend his name was uh, mike deguire and when we met we met in seventh grade he moved to he moved to our city and came became a student there and we, we hated each other's guts at first first year or so we did not like each other at all. We want, I wanted to fight him all the time and vice versa. We never fought by the way. But, but I, I remember one point we, we were friends, but this time, by the time this story happened, but I was the kind of guy I was, I was a budding ultra crepidarian. <laughs> you ever, you ever heard that word happen to know what that word means? Most people don't, <laughs> but, but an ultra crepidarian is someone who espouses opinion on things that are as fact that, upon which he or she has no basis of knowledge. So ultra crepidarians are, are the Cliff Clavin from Cheers who always say their, their opinion on things as fact. Well, I was a budding ultra crepidarian. And I remember sharing one of those stories one time uh, in our group of friends, just like somebody said something and I had to give my two cents. And, and my, my friend, Mike DeGuire turned to me and said, would you shut the hell up? Nobody needs to hear what you think every single time. And I had that moment of awareness. Now that didn't really change my experience, but it, but I had that moment of awareness that stuck with me. And I think to get back to your question, over the last four or five years, I've replayed that story in my mind. Now, as a successful entrepreneur and a business owner, and and a leader, that I don't really need to give my opinion on everything. And so, therefore, I just I end up being silent most of the time and just listening through the conversations. And then when I say something, I hope that it's meaningful. So that that may be the only conscious thought that I've had about all this. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you think it changes the speaker's experience, J.D., when, when you don't interrupt, when you don't jump in, when you don't offer an opinion and you create enough space for them to fully explore not just what they say the first time but what they think and what they mean? Because the way you've explained it, 
to be listened to, you need to be feel like you've been seen, heard, and valued. And I think the insight for you is silent and listen, share the identical letters. And this is one of the key ingredients that separates good listeners from great listeners. They're comfortable with silence. In the West, we talk about the pregnant pause, the awkward silence, the deafening silence. Yet in high context cultures, China, Japan, Korea, uh, the Polynesian cultures, the Inuit of North America, the Amazonian tribes, the Maori of New Zealand, the Aboriginal cultures of Australia, silence is a sign of wisdom, respect and authority. And it creates a space not just for an individual, yet for a group. And my speculation is for the most successful professional relationships you enjoy, and whether in, in a personal sense, but also in a commercial sense, you probably use silence much more and quieten down your own mind and allow them to say not just what they think, but what they mean in a conversation. Shortly, I'm going to share with you some of the practical neuroscience and the maths of listening, because listening is an art and a science. I'm going to talk about the science and why silence is like a magnet to draw out of the person. Not what they say the first time, but what they truly really mean. And when you listen to customers this way, yes, you'll win. And that will be wonderful. But more importantly, you'll be different and they'll refer you. There'll be moments where you are not present in any conversation and your customer will be selling you on your behalf saying, wow, look, JD's organization has probably got the solution for you. But what sets JD apart is when I speak, he actually listens. And you can move your customers from a transaction to a way to go to market that is completely unstoppable and differentiated because they're selling on your behalf. And the cost of not listening is the opposite. When you don't listen, they will tell the next prospect, don't work with JD. He might have the solution, but he doesn't listen. Which one do you want? Do you want the first client? Do you want the second client? Most of us want the first one. Yet we've got to show up with our devices down, our attention out, and our presence signaled by our silence to be available to the other person. Now, I can see, JD, you're, you are processing like a machine right now. Something's, the cogs are going on in your head. What, what's going on now? <laughs> so so I read. I recently read over the last couple of years, uh, is it, um, is, I think the number is 54, the 54 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Are you familiar with that book? Ever heard of it? No, not. Okay. So I'll, I, I'll I, think, I think it's the 54 laws of power. The listeners, um, this will be a test for our chat. So if you know what the number is, I think it's 54. I can't remember if it's 50, 52, or 54, but drop it in the chat if you know who it is. But Robert Greene wrote this called, I'll just assume it's the 54 laws of power. And, and it was, it's a historical review of all of the ways the most powerful people in the world, all the way back to ancient times, used power to accomplish their means. Now, some of those use power in negative ways that I'm not interested in as a follower of Jesus. Those are things that I'm not interested in. However, that being said, there are 
there are principles of power that he reveals. And one of them, I don't remember how he worded it, but was about not revealing um, about how silence is power and not revealing your position until required to do so. And so I remember reading that over the last couple of years. And as I read that, I thought, hmm, I wonder how this plays out. And so I began to practice what that meant to, to not reveal, to practice the power of silence. And then another book uh, called The the Charisma Myth by Olivia Fox Cabane. I'm not, again, I don't know if it's something you're familiar with, but she talks about power, presence, and warmth being the definition of charisma. And then when she talks about presence, she's talking very much about what you're talking about, Oscar, about being present in the moment and simply seeking to understand rather than to be understood. And so all of those, you asked me what's going on in my brain. I'm trying to synthesize all these things I've about, about over the last several years and try to make sense of how I've become what I think is a much better listener. I don't know. My wife may have a different opinion, but I think better than I used to be. Yeah. And for those of you listening, the same thing's going on for you right now. You're processing what I say and Jason's response, and you're overlaying that over your life experience, your education, your family situation, the culture you're part of, the organization you're trying to grow. All of these things are filtering how we listen. So I just want to check in. Jason, is is now a good time to see if people have kind of got any questions that they want to ask about in the in the chat? Is Garen curating stuff? Yeah, and what yeah which... let's uh, let's let's do that. So if you're if you're watching live on any of the platforms or you're in Zoom, go to the chat. Go to in Zoom. Go to the Q and A bubble. But everywhere else, just go to the chat. If you got any questions about listening, if you're looking for the skills, if you're looking for any tactics or tips. Um, we've got, we've got people viewing, uh, Garen says, we don't have any questions that have yet come in. So we're going to keep talking, but if anybody's got a question, make sure you drop it. Garen will pick it up and throw it in here. I do have a question. Um, if we get down to specific skills around listening, besides the theories that the theories that you and I've been chatting about, about cultures, thinking that silence is, has power and that listening is really good, but, but what, what skills can you teach us that will help us become better listeners? there's three specific skills that are very simple to say and difficult to practice we've been tracking 1410 people with these three very simple things over the last five years these people who apply these three skills consistently say their meetings are shorter as a result and the meetings they have have bigger impact. A reminder, these skills are easy to say and difficult to practice. Yet when you do practice, it's like the difference between eating healthy and eating what you feel like. There's a discipline. There's a self-respect. There's a respect for the people you're talking to if you practice these three skills. I'll also give you a bonus, which is easy, fun, and light as well. To put these skills into context, let's just build the foundation of listening as numbers. And when you understand these numbers, you understand why these three skills matter. The numbers are 125, 400, 900. 
125 words per minute, 400 words per minute, 900 words per minute. Let's deconstruct those numbers from the speaker's perspective first. 125 words per minute, their speaking speed. Yet their thinking speed is 900 words per minute. That means the first thing that the speaker says is 14% of what they're thinking. This is why silence is so powerful because it allows them to reveal the next 125 and the next 125 and move from saying to thinking to meaning. When you hear what somebody means, not what they say, they feel heard, seen and valued. The most difficult position in a conversation is actually the speakers. But as the listeners, we don't understand that. So let's pop over and look at the listener's experience. The listener's experience is this. The speaker is speaking at 125 words per minute, and Jason's already described this. Jason can listen at 400 words per minute. Now, we know we can listen to podcasts and YouTube videos at two times speed and have complete comprehension without any problem. The mind can process much more. Because you can listen four times faster than they can speak, your mind gets bored, gets distracted, it finds solutions, it creates objections, it argues with the other person about a different life experience, a different set of beliefs that you have, and that's all happening in your head while you're waiting for the very slow speaker to speak at 125 to 150 words per minute. So conversations are flawed if all you do is listen to the very first thing somebody says. The caveat is this. This advice is for people in working relationships. I'm not talking about life partners. I'm not talking about JD's wife. Please don't try any of this at home on your children or on your life partner either. So now with this massive differential between their thinking speed as a speaker and your listening speed, you can see is set up to fail. The conversation is on two different rail gauges. One, one is set up on the speaker's rail gauges and the other one's set up on the listener's rail gauges. And the only way to get those gauges lined up is to explore what they haven't said get that extra 125 words out, which JD's talked about. Silence is one of the things to do there. Now, I'm going to come to the three tips, JD, but I'm curious as you hear these numbers, what's going on for you? So I am, um, I've got a, I've got a degree, a master's degree in education, and I taught school for four years. And one of the things that we learned through the process of, of teaching, you know, learning the craft of teaching was, the numbers that you gave about the speaking and the listening speed, not the, the thinking speed was different. I know that's the first time I've heard that. So, um, but then we also had the, I forget now the number, but the speed of uh, the, the note-taking speed, you know, how fast the teacher mm -hmm. would speak versus the ability <laughs> that I have to think and write that down, you know, listen, excuse me, listen and write that down really quickly. And there is a, there is a chasm, between the two. So when you're speaking to teach, uh, my, my opinion is that you must go much slower because if someone is taking notes and trying to analyze that, you know, physically, 
you need to kind of keep up with their pace because if you if you put it on two times speed, <laughs> it's going to just make it that much more difficult. But but my question is this: um, I know that those numbers, twenty five words per minute, which is speaking speed, four hundred is listening speed, and nine hundred is thinking speed, and that's average. But is there a yes. way to test that and know what yours is? Well, you can test your listening speed really simply by figuring out on your podcast player or YouTube, at what speed do you lose comprehension? That's the quickest way to test your listening speed. Now, when you're testing it, test your comprehension with a speaker who's speaking in a language and a context you're familiar with. So if you're listening to a context about chemistry and you're not familiar with it, the cognitive load on you is going to be much higher. So just pick a topic you're familiar with and just keep moving the YouTube play speed or your podcast play speed as high as you can go. See at what point you just go, oh, I just can't process that. So that that's the simple way to test yeah. the speed of your listening. Um, the speed of your thinking is done with a MRI machine. Um, so I don't think a lot of us have access to an MRI machine to test our thinking speed. The average is 900. The range is 600 to 1600, high-low, um, in those uh, experiments that the scientists did uh, about the thinking speed of people. So that's a quick way to test it. When it comes to right. our three tips... I'll give you the three tips and you pick where we're going to go from there, J.D. Tip number one, use the technology. Don't be a slave to technology. The biggest barrier to most people's listening is connected watches, cell phones, laptops, iPads, any kind of electronic device with a notification based on our research is the biggest thing that gets in the way of people's listening. Now, our context here is quite unusual. I don't think many people will have all these chats going on uh, as an example. But when you're face-to-face -face with somebody in a one-on-one, -on -one, one of the most important things you could do, particularly if you're visiting a prospect that you want to be a customer, simply do this. This conversation really matters to me, so just bear with me. I'm just going to switch off my cell phone. I'm going to put it over here. Now, JD, if I did that to you and I was calling on you for the very first time in a face-to-face -face conversation, what would you think about the level of attention I'm about to pay next? What What are they anticipating? That is a that's a significant change and a pattern disruptor for most of us, isn't it? I mean, we expect people to not to be rude and check their phones, but it's not a surprise when they do. So for somebody to say that they're not going to, that's a pattern disruptor. Then, whoa, OK, this person's actually going to listen to me. Our research from these 410 people that we're tracking say a third of the people they're speaking to in one-on-one -on -one conversations will mirror that behavior. 
good listeners listen to what people say great listeners change the way the speaker communicates and if you can get your prospects attention in that conversation by you role modeling switching your device off a third of them will do the same how different will the quality of the conversation be if they're not anticipating something on a device it will be a very different quality conversation. So although the theater of switching it off, and this is a ritual I do, is important, it's not for you. You're not doing it for you. Yes, you are, but not really. You're doing it to improve the quality of the conversation and you're sending a signal to the other person, I value you, I value your time, and I value this conversation. And you want them to become present as well. The impact of your listening will be much higher if the speaker isn't distracted. So there's two really deliberate reasons we do that. If you're hosting a group meeting, you should do exactly the same. In 2010, Peter, a visiting vice president, flew from Seattle to Sydney. Effectively, a 24-hour flight for him. And I was hosting 20 CEO business owners of technology businesses. And Peter was there to update them on an important change we were about to make. It was in a boardroom, in a hotel, in Sydney. And I can remember it was pouring with rain outside. And I thought he'd be late from the airport. But he wasn't. He arrived on time. We made all the introductions. And I handed over to Peter for the update. And Peter stood up and he took his cell phone and he walked to the corner of the room where his bag was and he switched it off. And he sat down again. He said, look, I've traveled all this way. The most important thing I can give you right now is my complete and undivided attention. And what struck me with Peter is of the 20 people around the table, 19 people switched off their phone. And the reason we know that is one person's phone rang during the conversation. They had to leave the room. What was interesting, though, that person never returned. And what we know is the people in the room who considered themselves competitors had a high-quality conversation and partnerships emerged in that room based on what Peter was saying about the changes that were going to take place. Peter left the room and I had half an hour more with the owners. And they all said one thing consistently. I asked them, what's the number one thing you're taking out of this conversation? It had nothing to do with the technology. It had nothing to do with the margin improvement we were providing to them. They all said, wow, how different was that conversation with all of our phones off? And it was a different quality conversation. To this day, I know half of those people still stay in touch and have either bought the other business or have created partnerships where they cross-refer business to each other. So tip number one, use the technology. Don't let the technology use you. Now, sometimes you're on call. Sometimes you might be on a manufacturing line that requires your attention. You might have a medical emergency that you need to deal with. You might have sick kids. Just signal that to a room in advance. 
and just say, normally I'd switch my cell phone off right now. If you can just bear with me, uh, I'm dealing with a situation with my father who's just had a stroke and I need to keep my phone on. Uh, and that's a real situation I experienced two years ago with a client. And the client was very forgiving. The phone did not ring, but they realised if it did, that was the only reason why it was going to ring. So as important as it is. Now, remember the notifications that you get on your devices, JD, that was all built on the same psychological research that was used in the 1970s for the poker machine or the slot machine industry in Las Vegas to make sure people kept putting money in the slot machines. It's designed to put you in a haze. It's designed to get you unconsciously just following the next step. Use the technology. Don't be a slave to the technology. So tip number one. Well, on that tip, Oscar, could I ask you the converse? Is there is there a way that we can positively use technology to give us better listening skills? Is there because I agree with what you're saying 100 percent. I've been to lunches. I've been to meetings where we all take our phones and we put them in the center. And, and, and the one fun little game you can play is that you, you put them in the center and you turn them off or, or put them on silent. And if any phone rings, that person's got to buy lunch for everybody. Um, little Love game you play, but is there is there a way to, is there a way to use technology to improve our listening? Absolutely. Uh, the first thing I would say is in every operating system, Android, Apple, Windows, uh, all those operating systems have a little switch in the settings that says, if I'm in a meeting, switch off my notification. So you don't even have to think about it. You just have to do it once. So if you've mm -hmm. got a calendar blocking something out, you're not going to receive notifications. But the converse is true too. There is, I'm going to talk about Zoom. I'm going to talk about Google Meets. I'm going to talk about Microsoft Teams. I'm going to talk about uh, oh, any kind of video conferencing platform. There is software right now in Google Meets. It's really simple. It will tell you your speak to listen ratio. It will literally have a heads up display at the top of the meeting showing you the percentage of time you are speaking versus you are listening. Now, it's a little game I play with myself when I work with clients, and my goal is always to be 90% and higher, but that's that's a different story. My context is about listening. The good range is between 50 and 70%. There are plugins that work for Zoom that do this. There are plugins that work for Teams that do this that help you in that moment to go, oh, what quick check. Now, there are paid versions of those bits of software that will tell you about you can kind of define who the customer is in group meetings and it gives you the customer speak to your organization listen ratio as well. So if you might have multiple people on the call, it's a bit difficult to keep a track of that. So the technology can do that. And then there's a technology that takes it to a different level. There are technologies like Cyrano. Uh, this technology measures based on the language that the prospect is using on the call their commitment level throughout the call not 
their tone of voice, are they positive? Are they neutral? Are they negative? Those heuristics are very simple. In fact, they're using language models that are the equivalent of teenage language. Cyrano takes it to another level. Cyrano works with a language model of somebody who's about 30 years old in the workplace, so they've got some level of experience. But based on the language people are using, it will tell you how committed they are to the idea, the concept that you're dialoguing through as well. It also gives you speak and listen ratio there as well. With Cyrano, it also tells you, does this person value relationships more than evidence in the way you ask questions, in the way you provide answers? So, Jason, there is a massive industry. Uh, if you use Salesforce, they have these tools embedded in their systems. If you use HubSpot, they're embedded in their systems as well. So when it comes to the technology, it's technology and not technology or. So let's make sure we're using the power of both together in an effective way rather than an unconscious loading money in the slot machine kind of response. Yeah, I, I use a uh, I use an app when I Zoom meetings when I have a group coaching call when I do coaching with my clients or if I'm if I'm doing a, a a mastermind call. There's a an app called Blue Sky Timer, and it shows up in the meeting as an attendee, so it has its own mm -hmm. square on the screen, just like you and I are squares right now on our screen. Uh, but you can make it show a clock, or you can set a timer which is kind of neat because everybody can see the timer. But the coolest part of it is that at the, on not on screen where everybody can see it, but me as the host, I can be on the dashboard for the timer and see the pie chart. And the pie chart has everybody's speaking ratio, which I think is, is phenomenal. And, you know, the guys who talk a lot, <laughs> their pie pieces are much bigger than everybody else's. So, um, so thank and, you for that. And so how, how, does that, how does that imp how does that impact your listening behavior as you see that dynamic change, though, JD? Because it's one thing having the tech; it's another one understanding how do I adjust accordingly. Well, as the facilitator <laughs> of those calls, um, when it's more discussion based, I I'm able to see. Okay, Bob, for example, Bob's talking three times as much as everybody else in these meetings then I can tactfully either, if, if necessary, I can speak directly. But most of the time, I could just make a comment at the beginning. Hey, guys, you know, I'm kind of tracking how much time we all speak. So when you do your speaking, just kind of pay attention. You're not, you're not taking everything up. Like if you're, imagine a pie chart. You don't want to be the biggest piece of pie in this conversation. And sometimes that's all I have to say. And everybody becomes a little bit aware. Just like we all know, awareness is the key to recovery. So that's how I use it. Uh, have you ever wondered or experimented with sharing that with a group so they see it as well? I have, and uh, and I've never done it. And and the only excuse I have for not doing it is that every once in a while, there's a glitch in Zoom that will so show somebody in two pieces of two different colors, and it's not accurate. So I, I think there's a kink in their technology armor and has not given me 100% accurate data. So that's my only excuse there. That's a poor excuse, but that's the only reason I've never done. Yeah, when when I share it, um, and, and I don't do it in the first set of meetings, I will comment in the second meeting, hey, just so you know, I've got a technology that's anonymously tracking my listening versus speaking ratio. Um, if you'd like, I can turn that on for you. 
and uh, half the people go, oh, wow, that sounds cool, and uh, turn it on. And then the other half, you have a really extended conversation and eventually they say, yeah, turn it on. Um, <laughs> again, as you say, awareness is key. And a lot of us go technology is our enemy in this case. This is a beautiful example of technology augmenting and creating metadata so that we have insights that we can't keep in our working memory real time. And as you said, all of a sudden you go, okay, I need to listen to a wider range of opinions because Bob's talking a lot. It's always Bob, isn't it? It's always it always Bob. Bob. It's never a barb. Um, so that, that, that's good use of technology in that regard. If you're in group meetings, the other thing is always um, group meetings. And you can do this in the chat while you're listening right now. What's the one thing you really struggle with when it comes to your listening? Just pop that in the chat and uh, you will see patterns emerge. So whatever the meeting context, you can always ask the team, hey, if it's on Zoom, what are you really struggling with on this project? What are you really struggling with on this product? What are you really struggling with with this customer? And you can adjust the content accordingly. And this is a really skillful way to listen to a group really quickly as well. All right, well, I'm mindful we got, we got so to tip. Tip number one. So yeah, um, so we'll I'll, tip I'll number pause two. Again. I'm interested. So I'm interested in so, tip number two. So we got the using technology, but don't be a slave to it. So what's tip number two on listing skills? Tip number two is ask this question, ideally before the meeting, but most of you won't have this opportunity with customer conversations. So ask it when you arrive. The question is this, and this question is very precise. Don't I'll, I'll, I'll give you two examples of it. And the first one is, if you use this question, it becomes a listening compass for the conversation. And when our deep listening ambassadors, those folks we're tracking, use this question, what they say to us is, meetings are shorter, and the meetings that they have that are shorter get to the real issue much faster. So imagine you've got a one-hour meeting. I'm going to give you the question that's the listening compass. And we're going to check in every 15 minutes against this question. And what typically happens in a third of cases by the first 15 minutes of a one-hour meeting, the person you're talking to will go, I've got exactly what we need. Let's wrap it up. That's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. And the reason is you're checking against this question all the way through. You check at the 30-minute mark and you check at the 45-minute mark and you will get a really different outcome. And the question is this, what would make this a great conversation? Not what would make this a great conversation for you. Don't add for you on the end of it. The reason is this, the conversation is the intersection of the speaker and the listener conversation has its own direction the conversation has its own purpose and too many of us think that listening to the speaker is the best place to go and the really important you ask this question before the conversation commences it's not about the agenda we're going to talk about stuff 
What's your business problem? How can we solve it? Are we a good match? What's the commercial terms? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to all of that. I got a video from a graphic designer in Illinois about a month ago who used this question and was shocked. And they said, Oscar, I've never got the quality of response for a brief than I have here, and I've picked up so much more work than I ever would. I think it's a fluke. I'm going to try it again. I just think I got lucky. He tried it again with a completely different customer. Same thing. He picked up more work. The question is this, what would make this a great conversation? When they say what will make it a great conversation, you make sure you write that down. Because at the 15-minute mark, JD, you're going to say to me, Oscar, at the beginning of this conversation, you said X would make it a great conversation. How are we going? How are we tracking? And that will give the person who, you know, a lot of people struggle with people who just talk a lot. They can't structure their ideas and, you know, they're meandering all over the place. And you want to show respect to the prospect because maybe that's the first time they've said it. Using this question is a checkpoint. And they'll go, oh, yes, that's right. You know what I haven't told you so far, JD? Ah, bingo. Now you're getting to what they haven't said. You're getting the extra 125 words out. In 28% of cases with the deep listening ambassadors, the meetings stop at the 15-minute mark. In the others, they basically say, you know, we've covered off all I need, but now that I've discussed that, there's another thing that's really important that I haven't even mentioned. Could you help us out with that? Well, I don't know. Let's find out. This listening compass and this question is critical because it doesn't matter if you're talking to an employee, a supplier, if you're talking to your tax attorney, if you're talking to a prospect or a customer, if you're talking to the media even. This question becomes really powerful and you checking in every 15 minutes showed that you were listening at the beginning of the conversation and they will say things differently because they know you're really giving them attention right now. So tip number two, ask the question, what would make this a great conversation? How do you, uh, is that a, that question that you ask, you ask at the beginning of a corporate meeting as well as just an, you know, a couple of people sitting in a coffee shop having a specific conversation, not a collegial fr friendly, you know, just two friends hanging out, but if you're trying to get to something. Do you ask that question in that session and also in a professional executive corporate meeting? Any that that question we've road tested in medical contexts uh, with with general practitioners. We've done it with lawyers and accountants. We've done it with business owners. And that question whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in group meetings, differentiates people. I was working with a recruitment firm in the United Kingdom, and they're very specialised in a particular area of medicine that they recruit for. Uh, they're very successful. They got offices in London, Europe, Boston, San Diego, and the, the owner of the business literally practised that question. She did her version of it in a lovely British accent. You've got a think of her that way 
So it wasn't precisely those words, but she used a variant which sounded like, I'm curious today what would make this a great conversation. So she just added a bit. The intention is identical. So it's not about the precise words. Try to keep it eight words or less because any questions with more than eight words is bias. So the shorter the question, the more likely you are to get more from what they haven't said. Bias questions are not bad, by the way. If you need to make decisions, allocate resources, choose from alternatives, bias questions are really important. But for these kinds of questions where you want to open up at the beginning, these questions, eight words or less, what will make this a great conversation, become really helpful. By the way, um, if you know the host and the group in the meeting and you're visiting in and you think it's going to be productive, don't just ask the host of the meeting that question. Just look around the room and go, I'm curious if anybody else would like to add to that. Because what happens in most cases, the host will hear something different from what they said. I remember a good a listener will hear the active speaker, great listener will hear everybody. And what will emerge is more trust and rapport really, really quickly. But it will only happen if you repeat that response between 10 to 15 minutes through a one-hour meeting and seven to five minutes in a half-hour meeting as well. So tip number two. Very good. What will make That's this good. a great conversation? Now, Jason, well, well, do you remember what I asked you before we went live to air? Yes, you asked me that question. <laughs> you did. <laughs> as soon as you said, ask this question, I knew where you were going. I was like, like, he asked me that question before we started today. So you did it. Yeah. Okay. Well, here, before we get into uh, before we get into tip number three, I want to talk about our sponsor. So I'm going to take just a minute to do that. So give me just a second, Oscar. So I want to talk to all the listeners about Story. So Story is our primary sponsor of the Entrepreneur Master Series. And it, since we're talking about listening today, I want to kind of play into that. So you and I, as people who are doing businesses, doing business out in the world, we want people to listen to us. We want people that we want to get their attention. And one of the ways that we get their attention, hopefully so they will listen to us, is we do social media short form videos. And social media short form videos are the primary way that people are getting people to uh, not only become aware that that person exists, maybe that you exist, but also aware of what you do and perhaps even give you money for your services. So if you think back 20 years ago, you needed an ad in the yellow pages or maybe 30 years ago today, you know, 10 years ago, you needed a website today. You need to be doing short form video content. But the problem with that is that you don't really know where to go to get it done. Some people are shy on camera. Some people don't know what to write. They certainly don't know how to edit it. And that's where story comes in. Story is a unique company that takes all of that, all those things that will cause problems and you being able to do this short form video and do it for you. Now, of course, you still you, you got to get on camera, you've got to hit record, but they do it all. They give you the prompts, they tell you when to record, they they write the captions for you, they do the hashtags, and they'll post it to your channels for you. If you want to try a story out, you can try them out for free. They'll edit one video for free and they'll do a demo for you on their stuff and give you a discount if you decide to sign up. To get that, all you have to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story. That's S-T-O-R-Y-Y. Either two Ys, 
because don't forget the stories about you. When you do these videos, you're going to see a bigger impact in your ability to get people to listen to you, to see you, and to hopefully buy from you. So go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story and try that out today. And my big thanks out to Connor Snyder and Devin Gill and that story for being the sponsor of this webinar series. So let's, Oscar, get back to the third tip. So we've got tip number one is use technology, but don't be a slave. Tip number, tip number two is ask this question before every meeting. What would make this a great conversation? And so now here we are at our third tip. What is the third tip, Oscar? Before we jump to the third tip, just if you're looking to go ahead with story, one of the things you want to do with your video, ask your tribe what are three things they're struggling with right now and explain what you're struggling with too. So if you're struggling to figure out what content to create, a question will create more engagement with your audience than a story alone. I'm not saying stories don't matter. Stories and questions, the one-two punch, connect with story. They do an awesome job to get your message out into the world. Now, tip number three when it comes to listening is this. You may have noticed I'm drinking a lot of water, Jason. <laughs> you stay In hydrated. fact, that's how, much, that's how much water I've been drinking for the time we've been together. Tip number three, drink a glass of water before the conversation commences and drink a glass of water for every half an hour you're in a conversation. Here's the science. Number one, you're role modeling for everybody in the room because when you take a glass of water, it's more than likely so will everybody else. The science is this, this part of your body here around your lungs and your heart is called the parasympathetic nervous system. This has got more nerve endings than your brain. Your gut feel sits in this part of your body. And when you drink water, it creates a calming effect. So you're available, you're less distracted and you're more present. Very easy to do. Very difficult to practice, though. For most of us, we don't have water nearby. When I go into reception, when I'm going to visit for the first time, or a regular client, I always, and receptionists know this with me by the third meeting, I always request, if you don't mind, would I be able to bring a jug of water and some glasses in for everybody in the meeting? Now, in some cases, that's always present, but it's not true all the time. What the water does, Jason, is creates silence. It gives everybody a chance to just pause, to reflect on their thinking and go, hey, is what I said aligned with what will make this a great conversation, what will make this a great meeting or not? If you get distracted while somebody's talking and it's a really long story and you can't connect with it, just pause, drink a glass of water. It will help you reset your listening compass to bring you back into the conversation. We know in most cases, if you pour that jug of water in a meeting room, everybody present will want to have a sip of water. It's a very social thing, by the way. Now, if you drink coffee, that doesn't count as water. <laughs> drink coffee, great, no problem, knock yourself out, and drink water. A hydrated brain 
is our listening brain. So here, this part of the body is 5% of body mass, your brain, yet it consumes 26% of blood sugars. And listening is a very difficult task in a group setting or when you're seeing a new prospect. A hydrated brain is a listening brain. So make sure you're drinking a glass of water before the meeting commences and every half an hour in the conversation. Now, as I've said, Jason, all of these are so easy to say, yet they're very difficult to practice. We suggest you practice them in that order. Master the distractions electronically first. And once you've mastered that, practice the question. Once you've mastered the question and the devices, move to the water. Those three things will completely change the way you listen. And more importantly, it will change the way the speaker communicates their idea. How will you go with tip number one, Jason? So I interesting on the tip number one, the technology thing is the um, I I've been using that feature that you spoke about that the technology turns off all notifications for so long. I don't even think about it anymore. Um, that it just happens. Like I don't, my phone will not ring when I have a meeting scheduled on my calendar. It won't ding, it won't buzz, it won't do anything. The exception to that is that if my wife calls, because I've got it set up for for her sure. to call. So there are, so, you know, and so in most most cases, it's okay if she rings. But if there are sometimes I'm sitting in a big meeting where there's a lot going on, I'll turn the phone off because I don't even want that option of her interrupting yeah. the meeting. Although it almost never happens. So I think that's a great tip. So the tip, the, the tip too about asking that meeting, that question before the meeting, you know, what's, you know, what's interesting that you mentioned that because as a salesperson for so many years and now as a, as sales training is part of what I do as a business coach is that I, I teach and I do this um, in a sales situation to ask a, ask a question very similar to at the very beginning. It's, it's, it's more geared towards, we're trying to get to an, a preferred outcome as a salesperson, but it's the same idea, but it always makes for a better conversation. And and that question that I had, I ask and I teach other people to ask in a sales conversation is something to the effect of this. Um, I'm really glad that we're having this meeting today. So here's how this meeting is going to go. So I've got some questions that I need to ask you so that I can understand what you're dealing with. I know there's going to be questions that you're going to want to ask me, but when we get through all this, we get to the end make sure that we together can decide what next steps there should be, if any, does that sound fair to you? And so what that does is it sets the stage for they, they know I'm asking questions and personally, now they know that I'm kind of in charge of what's going on. They have the opportunity to ask questions and then I'm not going to force them into something they don't want to do. Cause at the end, we're going to decide together whether or not we need to move forward to decide the next steps. So I think that's interesting. And the glass of water thing, never tried it. I'm going to have to give it a shot. <laughs> okay. So just a little reflection on um, the process you set up. You're, you're giving them, is that okay with you? Uh, and you will hear what they say. But what it won't allow you to do is hear what they haven't said. So the what will make this a great conversation for you gives them a way to check in all the way through the meeting. So... You want to check in at the 15-minute mark and check if we want to continue is what I'm saying to you because they might figure out in 15 minutes that we're not a good match. 
and yeah. then you can refer you can refer because the only thing worse than losing to the competition is winning a customer that you haven't heard effectively and you've got a really unprofitable customer and honestly that doesn't matter for you what matters is they, they they're going to trash talk you in the market they're not going to mm -hmm. refer you well they're not going to speak highly of you because everything's really difficult for you so when it comes to our listening bear in mind if you don't hear what they don't say which is 86 percent of the dialogue if you don't ask these three questions during the dialogue so these three questions will unlock that extra 125 words so you can hear not just what they've said but what they think and what they mean and they will feel heard seen and valued these three questions are really simple they are so short you'll be shocked now don't use them as abruptly as i do just use a variation of this the first one is tell me more now this on a listing compass is a north south question designed to keep the dialogue going in the same direction because you think there is more that they haven't said so the way i would say it is jd i'm fascinated say more same intent less than eight words and jd will say more in that case we're listening for similarity we're going in the same direction now if you want to ask an east-west question a question designed to elicit them to think differently and for you to listen differently is you ask a version of this and what else this moves their speaking direction 180 degrees in a completely different direction most people don't realize they're asking questions that's taking a conversation in the same direction it's already going and when you ask these questions always ask tell me more first always ask and what else second so that you're getting both 360 degree views of that and a version of and what else If your accountant was here, what's the question he would have asked, she would have asked that we haven't asked? All of a sudden, they'll pause and go, oh, yeah, I haven't told you about blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, you're listening differently and they're saying what they haven't said. The final one is the shortest one. We've already discussed this. It's the most potent, it's the most powerful, but it's also the most intimidating. It's this. Now, don't worry, no webcams are frozen in the making of this video. It's about, <laughs> it's so about pausing. Question, well, the accounting question, I was writing that down. The accounting question is really interesting. Um, I think that that's, um, I've heard the first two, but I've, the third one's a really interesting one to me. What, how did you discover it and what is the intent behind it? Okay, so the accountant is a version of a question that gets them thinking 360 degrees. I'm going to give you a range of those and then I'm going to deconstruct the intent of the question. I'm curious. 
If your competition was in the room right now, what would they laugh about that we haven't even discussed? If your most cynical employee was in the room right now, what's the question they would have asked that we haven't asked? If the media was in the room right now, what would have been the question a journalist would have asked that we haven't asked? If a regulator was in the room, what's the question they would have asked that we haven't asked? If your lawyer was in this room, if your other shareholder was in this room, if your life partner, if your children, if your grandchildren were in the room, what do you think they would have asked? Now, the intent of this question is very simple. Most people will dialogue from their perspective consistently. They will describe symptoms and not the system in which they operate. And when you listen holistically, 360 degrees all the way through your compass, you will get a series of perspectives that are very unique. Good sellers beat the competition. Great sellers help the customer explain the business case through 365 degrees. The reason I'm asking this question, Jason, is to uncover all the unspoken objectives, objections, sorry, that this person may encounter when they go back into their organization. And I want to bring those perspectives into the conversation in a very elegant and clean way. This is not a manipulation. I want them to cleanly explain who else they need to do this with. So the intent of this question is if you have a sales pipeline that's really fat in the middle and not moving as fast as you like, you're not asking these question sets. You are getting blocked because you're talking to somebody who likes to talk to you instead of getting a full perspective about what's getting in the way of them navigating the business case through their organisation. As I say that, Jason, I'm curious what, what's going on. I, I love it. I, I love the idea of having 360 degrees of questions. And I think that there is, um, there's a lot of application in a sales perspective, but I think there's all, it, obviously it's not just designed for this. You can get into a corporate meeting and if you ask that question at the beginning, you know, what would make this great conversation for you? And then you do your check in at the 15 minutes, just like you said, you're drinking the water, phones are off, somebody says something and you go, hmm, tell me more about that. And, and just that's it. That now you're going to another level. And then when they finish that, then you say, well, and what else? Like that keeps them talking. I think I love the north, south, east, west idea. And then that final wrap up question. Uh, for that particular subject is if so, if your accountant or if your competition or if your whatever was here, what question would they ask that we haven't talked about? What would they think? You know, I think that's a phenomenal way to have a great conversation. And what's interesting about this is that everything we're talking about is about listening skills, but all of the tactics were about things that we say or do. Isn't that interesting? So listening is not just about what we are, you know, being silent and not saying anything. It's about actively participating. One of the things that um, Olivia Fox Cabane writes about in that book, uh, The Charisma Myth, when she's talking about being present, she says that if you ever feel yourself, you know, not being present, like if you're aware of the fact that you're spaced out, talking or looking away, is like wiggle your toes and just focus on your toes for a second or think about your breath 
you know, in and out and it kind of centers you back into the conversation. So I think what's interesting about what you do and what she teaches and so many other people, it's that it, uh, listening is physical, is physical as much as is anything else. It's, it's getting involved. And I think that you would probably agree with that. Yeah, look, in the book, How to Listen, we talk about listening as a full body experience. That's why we interviewed blind people. We interviewed deaf people. We interviewed deaf interpreters. We interviewed foreign language interpreters. They all talked about using their eyes, their ears, and their body as an instrument to listen. It's uh, important that you listen to your own body and notice the way you're breathing, as you mentioned from Olivia, but also notice the breathing of the speaker as well. When your face is not connected to a device and you can be present, a change in their breathing pattern is a signal to go and explore that a little more. A change in their vocal pattern when they maybe talk down from here versus talking more from here. These are coming from two different places. They are signals that when you're not present, you can't get those signals. And you need your body tuned first before you can tune into their body. We, we talk about orchestras and bands every single professional band and even the amateurs will tune their instrument in the venue that they may have played the day before with the identical instrument, yet because they're respectful, because they're professional, because they want to create a great experience for the audience, they tune their instrument every single time before they go into that live performance. My invitation to you is to do the same. Tune into yourself. Close the browser tabs down in your mind so you are available to listen to the other person. Listening does not start by focusing on the speaker. It starts by focusing on you and your body and your presence and where you are in that moment. If you choose not to, no problem. You'll have unproductive meetings, you'll waste your time, you'll lose customers, or still, you'll get customers that you can't solve problems for and they'll trash talk you in the market. So please be professional, be respectful, tune yourself before you go into a conversation. How do you do this? If you're in control of a meeting request, do not send a meeting request at the top of the hour. Always invite somebody to join a meeting five minutes after the hour. This is a really simple hack, and yet it's so profound. Number one, the people you're probably speaking to, prospects, business owners, executives, all of them are in back-to-back -back meetings. And if they're not in back-to-back -back meetings, they're coming off phone calls. If you create just five minutes between the top of the hour and your meeting, people turn up to meeting like this. Oh, Oscar, I love your meetings because I've got time to go to the bathroom. I've got time to get a sandwich. I've got time to get a coffee and I've got time to collect my thoughts. When they arrive at five after the hour, they are present and ready to go. When they arrive at the top of the hour, this is what it sounds like. Oh, sorry, I'm late, Jason. I know it's five after the hour, but I just had back to backs and you'll forgive me. They will be present in the meeting at five minutes after the hour, but mentally they won't be present till quarter past. Which meeting do you want to have? You can control that. Start your meetings five after the hour. 
Oscar, that was great. I'm telling you, I'm going to make a change right now on how I'm scheduling meetings. That because that makes so much sense to not do that. That is such a good thing. Hey, it is. Uh, we're approaching the end of our time together today, so I want to give you the opportunity to uh, to speak to the audience to say, hey, this is a way to get in touch. This is something that I can do as as a deep listener, someone who can coach you into this, can help you get the skills. I know you've got books. I know you got courses, etc. Talk to everybody about how to get in touch with you and how they could uh, could engage with you in a way that makes them better listeners. Certainly, JD. While I'm doing that, I'd like you to think about this question. What's the one thing you will change in your listening as a result of our conversation today? Okay, so I want you to think about that while I explain to everybody. We've got a range of resources uh, for you. If you want to improve your listening, my first recommendation, take the listening quiz at listeningquiz.com. It will take you five minutes to complete 20 questions and you'll receive a report And you're listening as a result of the last 90 minutes together. I think I think I'm going to have to do the the uh, tips two and three. Ask that question at the beginning. Makes what will make this a great conversation. Um, and I think I'm going to have to try the water thing. I've never even considered that. But I think uh, you know, tactically, I'm going to start scheduling my meetings five five after the hour. And um, I, I, I and and I, I'm going to tell you this like. I didn't know this until you told me, but you said any question with more than eight words is biased. Hmm. And I, I, I've never heard anybody say that. I immediately know that to be true, even though it's the first time I've ever heard it. Because I, hmm. myself as a questioner, know that when I get wordy in my question, I'm aiming for an answer. So that's yeah. something I'm going to pay attention to. Yeah. And remember, neither is correct or incorrect. It's where it's appropriate. Uh, typically, we want to ask the shorter questions at the beginning. We want to ask the long questions towards the end because we've got some decisions to make and invitations about matching, as you mentioned earlier on. JD, it's been a joy to listen to your questions. I hope you're feeling less nervous than when we began today. <laughs> no, this is fantastic. You've, you've uh, enlightened me, and I hope that I will continue to build on my listening skills and be a better listener. So it's thelisteningquiz.com. Is that correct? Thelisteningquiz.com? Just listeningquiz.com. Okay. Just want to make sure I heard that correctly. And I wanted to ask, so listeningquiz.com, if you want to go check that out. You can find Oscar Tromboli on LinkedIn. He's uh, active there. Got a lot of people following him there. So go Oscar Tromboli on LinkedIn. I'm going to listeningquiz.com. Oscar, it's been a pleasure having you with us today. 
thank you for being a guest on the Entrepreneur Master Series. And thank you for all the work that you do everywhere to help us be better listeners. Thanks for listening to me. Well, there you have it. That is the end of this episode of the Entrepreneur Master Series. But don't go away. I've got a couple of things that I want to talk about. Specifically, I also want to share with you what's going to be happening happening next Entrepreneur Master Series because you're not going to want to miss you're not going to want to miss that one. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. But before I tell you what's coming on that, I've got something to tell you. My very first ever book, Exit Without Exiting, is coming out next Friday. Actually, on my birthday all days. I'm so excited about it. It's called Exit Without Exiting. You're going to be able to get it on Amazon. Uh, feel free to go buy a couple hundred copies if you'd like, but just whatever you do, make sure you leave a review. And uh, this book is all about how to exit your business without selling it and begin living the exit lifestyle sooner than you ever thought possible. So I'll, that's a timely thing for me. It's coming out next Friday, so I'm really excited about it. But on a more tactical thing, I've got a brand new group coaching course that starts on March the 2nd at 9.30 a.m. Central Time. It's called 40 Days to Find Your True Purpose. And I'm taking people, a group of people through this. I've already got a bunch of people who have already signed up. And we're going to be going through this together over 40 days, six weeks, one hour Zoom sessions as a group to address the four essential questions that you need to answer in order to know what your true purpose is in life and how to pursue it. So even though you might have experienced a lot of success in your family life, your personal life, your business, your career, you might feel a sense of lack of fulfillment. And this group coaching program is designed to help you get exactly what you need to get to that place of understanding why you're on this earth. What is it about? Why are you here? Especially for those entrepreneurs who are living a very successful life as an entrepreneur, but still think that there's something missing. That was my story, running a very successful multi-million dollar business, but I knew that that wasn't what I was on earth for. And now that I've discovered the reason why I'm here, life is much more fulfilling. And I want to help you do that too. And you may be saying to yourself, well, I already know what my purpose is, Jason. I'm good. I'm good, JD. Don't bother me. Okay? Just remember this. Your purpose is not a destination. It's a journey. And so you might learn just something, some little tip in this six-week course over the next 40 days that will get you to that next level in life and success that you wouldn't have been able to do if you stayed content and complacent and where you thought you were supposed to be. Maybe there's another level that God's trying to pull you into that you could find if you just open yourself up to it. So how do you get involved in this? Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash purpose, therealjasonduncan.com slash purpose and sign up today. Please tune in again next time when we do this Entrepreneur Master Series. I've got the guest coming in. His name is Austin Zeeland, and we're going to be talking about the blueprint to $100,000 a year in passive income. It's not a pipe dream. Making passive income as an investor is not only reality, it's easier than you think it is. Austin Zeeland is going to share his journey from Microsoft to becoming a full-time investor. He will be sharing his personal passive income strategies and able to generate eight figures passively every single year. He'll be sharing his exclusive blueprint to 100K in passive income, which has been featured in Forbes, Yahoo Finance, and many more. And if you want to register, just register at therealjasonduncan.com slash EMS. If you registered for this one, which you did because you're here, or unless you're watching on YouTube later, uh, you're automatically registered for the next one, next one. So congratulations. But thank you for tuning in on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, or Zoom, wherever you're watching this. Big thanks to Oscar Tromboli, deep listener, one of the greatest deep listeners you will ever hear and meet. And I'm so glad that he was on the show today. So thanks for tuning in. As always, I am the real Jason Duncan. And Jesus is King. See you next time. Well, there you have it. Another 
idea for you to be better as an entrepreneur, to get to success more quickly. Of course, this was an extra special edition of the Root of All Success. This was one of my live webinars, the Entrepreneur Master Series. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I hope you enjoyed it as much as our listeners and the people that were live in that webinar when we did that. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope it was valuable for you. If you would like to attend one of these live and in person the next time we do it, I do two of these every month and I bring in amazing guests like the one you just heard, you can go to therealjasonduncan.com slash EMS. That stands for Entrepreneur Master Series. Therealjasonduncan.com slash EMS. And you can register. These are absolutely free. They're open for anybody to come to. And I do two of these every single month. So thank you for listening today. I look forward to seeing you next time on another episode of The Root of All Success. Until then, I'm The Real Jason Duncan, and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. Are you an entrepreneur who feels trapped in the weeds of daily operations, not experiencing the freedom you thought you'd have as a business owner? Want to know the way out? Take Jason's free exit readiness assessment to see how close you are to getting ready to experience true freedom and success as an entrepreneur. Go to amireadytoexit.com today. That's amireadytoexit.com. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.